Um, well, I mean, I, I guess I like things that tend to be witty. I like something to be appropriately funny if, it, if, if, the, if the solution calls for it. I try not to be too strange for strange sake. everybody, welcome back to Creative How, the podcast for curious creatives. Today we have David Plunkard, a graphic design heavyweight whose work you may have seen in museums such as Cooper Hewitt, but more recently on the cover of New Yorker magazine for which he's gotten a lot of notoriety for. You've probably seen his work and not even known it, and you're about to learn quite a bit about graphic design illustration and even things like sense of humor, which is really important. He likes to get weird and we're going to get weird with him. Hey, Jed, just living uh, in Baltimore and, and kind of growing up here as a designer slash art director slash just my whole creative career, you become aware of talent and personality and things of that nature. And, and, and one guy I've really been a fan of for a long, long time is, is Dave Plunkard and what he, he and Spur Design have done over the years. Absolutely. And you uh, introduced him to me and, and the work, Dave, is amazing. So welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks, Jed. It's just unavoidable because I think one thing I love about your work is that I feel it's timeless. I just, no matter like your, your tone, you're, you're kind of consistent and it kind of weathers the trends that I see. You know, one thing that annoys me the hell out of me right now is this reversion back to nineties. And I love just as a survey of your work, you, you don't seem to be affected by that stuff. Um, well, I mean, I, I can't say that it's a, a conscious effort, but I guess I'm an old dog. I, I, I stick with my tricks yeah, and I mean, how I work. But I, I think that's what the tone, I think you have a consistent tone. I wouldn't say consistent aesthetic. I mean, that's, that's certainly true, but how do you, is there a tone that you just sort of gravitate to? Um, well, I mean, I, I guess I like things that tend to be witty. I like something to be appropriately funny if, it, if, if, the, if the solution calls for it. I try not to be too strange for strange sake, but then at the same time, that sort of strangeness kind of comes yeah, comes and I think through my work. That charm, that's what makes it kind of charming and, and discoverable. And that little aha moment, which I think all of your work has, when, when you kind of decipher it a little bit, it, it, you, it's that unlock, I think, you know, and, and you get that little sort of, I guess, pleasure is the best way I can describe it of when you, you like, I see that. Does everybody else see that? Because I see that. Oh, thank. I think that charm sometimes is just my artistic limitations rubbing up against uh what I can't, what I can and can't do. <laughs> and he's humble too. This is, this is, this is the yeah. massive talent and humility is really annoying. Oh, Dave. that's all false. That's, <laughs> okay. That's false humility. <laughs> um, I, I think sense of humor is a really good thing to stick on because, you know, we've talked to lots of different types of people in particular, uh, a writer we spoke with, Matthew Norman com comes to mind and he is a really funny writer and some of his topics are really dark. It's even, he says, it's one of the toughest things to convey the type of humor that you're trying to when you write. And I would imagine it's the same for you. So how do, how do you know when you've gotten to the point where you want to get? Um, I mean, a lot of times you'll, I'll see it in the sketch stage, just the, 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 at the pencil sketch, you know, that's going to sound cliche to say that's where the magic happens, but that's where I kind of feel like if I'm, if I'm kind of feeling it in the, in that like little rough thumbnail, I'll be able to transfer it to the, to the final piece. Sometimes if I'm doing a sketch and it's like, I'll, I'll come up with something that will function for the thing, but it's not going to get better as you like, well, maybe color will fix it. Well, color won't fix it. You know, right. uh, generally if it has like some kind of a nice idea, um, you know, I'll, I'll be able to kind of feel it. 
So let's let's wind this back. We're getting real into the good stuff, and I think uh, what we want to give the audience some context about you, your design firm. Obviously, we can find your what we call your baseball card anywhere on the internet. We can you know start in 1995, you and your your wife. But so we can kind of you know we don't have to go too in detail, but like frame us up. How'd you get here? Oh, thanks. Well, you know, when you actually said the 90s were coming back, I was kind of hoping that meant that a renaissance is coming my way. It is. And we were going to get into that, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Well, originally I wanted to be a cartoonist. Um, That didn't pan out. So I decided to go into graphic design, uh, not really knowing what graphic design was. I was aware of something that we would call commercial art. I entered a program at Shepherd University in the early 80s, and I kind of fell in love with, uh, with graphic design, with the idea that it was this idea of visual communication. I use that to really kind of inform any solution I'm working on, whether it's, you know, whether you're working on a logo or an editorial piece, you know, you're generally communicating with an audience. I'm not really thinking in terms of making a picture per se. Why didn't the cartoon thing work out? Uh, well, I wanted to be a cartoonist from Marvel Comics. I sent them a letter and oh, I actually right. have my, I still have my letter of rejection. And it's a nice letter. And, you know, what's interesting is that was back in the days when, you know, they wanted kids to, like, send in their work. And now Marvel kind of has a, hey, don't call us, we'll call you. Right, right, right. right, right. (laughs) It was kind of nice. You know, I I think of it as being tough love. Yeah. You know, when I... When I looked critically at my work at that time, and you realize what was what was uh, expected of of a mainstream comic book artist, like you know, being able to draw cityscapes and cars, and there's a realism that's called for that I don't think I had in my quiver. Hmm. Do you still have any of that work from from back then? Oh, I do. Okay, because yeah. I feel like that that do you look at it and think, what the hell were they thinking? No, no, I can see what, the what they were I thinking. Think? They told me, uh, you know, they, you know, I think, you know, when you're 16 years old, you know, you're not necessarily like critical of your, of your work. Um, you know, you, I think for a 16 year old, I could really, really draw, but I couldn't, you know, I certainly was not of a professional level. Are you sending and, uh, in like full on books? Well, I sent in full books. I did, right. I did full comics, you know, oh, I mean, I have like, uh, you know, airbrush drawings of, uh, the, of, of a hand like high-fiving our school mascot, that kind of thing. Airbrush? Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Actually, I was an airbrushed. I think I used a toothbrush and wow. spit. So <laughs> Nice. Getting into it. You know, How much does the saliva work in today's you know, If I, I'll put this way. If I ever feel like I'm, like I'm, like I've really gotten it figured out, I can go back and look at that work and say, well, you know, you've come, you've come a long way. I would, I would say that, you know, if I, I can look at the work of when I was 16 or 17 year olds and I probably put down so many lines that some of them had to be the right lines. Right. <laughs> right. But a lot of them were wrong. Right. So you're into graphic design in school and, and then what happens? Uh, well, I moved to Baltimore after I graduated and, uh, got a job uh, working at a corporate graphic design place and, um, worked there for about five and a half years, um, and then got laid off. And during that time, I was uh, making uh, cut and paste collages. Um, and uh, I started uh, taking that work around um, and showing it to magazines at the time. And I, I immediately started getting editorial work. Local and, magazines or just? Uh, basically, yeah, a lot of, uh, D, you know, back in those days, there were uh, association magazines in D.C. And okay. there were a number of magazines right. in Baltimore that you could work for. So, uh, you know, yeah, I was getting like local work. And once I built up enough of that work, I sent it into American Illustration and uh, – in those days, like getting in that book was 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 sort of like uh, minting yourself, and I I was getting calls then from national art directors. What was the minting? Is that the project? Like, what was the first minting client? I guess you could. Hmm, I would say uh, I worked for a I worked for a um, 
a magazine called American Training and Development, and the art director was Lee Caruso. And I did like a series, and uh, you know that got into American Illustration, and I I started getting a lot of work that was like that. Oh wow! And uh, you know, this was all just like cut and paste, glue it down with rubber cement. At that point, were you like, hey, I mean, were you still calling that graphic design, or were you like saying, hey, this is illustration? Uh, I I honestly, at that point, I wasn't sure what I was doing was good because I was I was really reacting against doing things cleanly and neatly. So I was, you know, really scuffing things up. I was, I was bending cardboard and things like that. And I would send it out and I would get a good reaction from art directors, but, um, I hadn't quite, I hadn't quite developed what I was doing yet. So I would, I would send something out. I'm going, is this trash? I don't know. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't sure. So what's, what's young Dave listening to at that point? Like what what are we into? Are we like the hardcore scene? What are we punk rock? I I probably would have been listening to, uh, probably would have been listening to kinks, XTC. All right. That kind of thing. And that's, you think that was influencing what you were in just the, the, they might be giants. They might be giants. I don't, I'm not sure if music was influencing me too much. I, I, I really mine, um, uh, old styles and things. I was I was probably looking more at like artists. Okay. And, and who, Dada. I was looking at Dada a lot. Okay. Um, I've always been a fan of uh, Seymour Quast, Gary Baseman, um, and I think when getting back to like when I was saying like my the, the charm is evident of my artistic limitations. You know, I, I knowing that there were things that I either didn't have an interest in developing or things that I wanted to convey, I decided that, you know, I would go more in trying to the realm of, of, of showing ideas, uh, more so than like really like honing my technical right. drawing ability. You mentioned something before about, um, trying to make sure things aren't too weird. I think you said maybe something slightly different than that, but how do you, how do you judge that line and were you that's, developing that back then? That's a good question. I, I would say that in some aspects, you know, depending on what the project was and if I was getting a article for business week, I was aware that the audience that I'm speaking to are businessmen and people that are interested in their finances. And, uh, you know, the strangeness is, is worthwhile as a communicative tool, but at the same time, you know, you don't want it to, you don't want to be so far afield that the thing seems like it's being beamed from Venus. There's also something pretty cool about, you know, making I love New York logo where you have something where, you know, a kid understands it, a grandma understands it. Um, I think, I think music is probably, and again, I'm not a musician, so I'm, I'm speaking out of turn. Music sort of allows for a niche in regards, in a way that like graphic design, you know, if I get a job where I'm like trying to tell, to direct somebody where the bathroom is, I don't want to be so strange to where they can't find the bathroom. There's a certain practical aspect to visual communication where, you know, wackiness shouldn't necessarily be the default. You're right. I mean, just there's there's time to be straightforward, and there's a time to sort of take people on a journey right. a little bit. We're also I, not we're also not necessarily entertainers. Yeah, but in the best, I mean, I would argue you you are entertaining. Oh, well, thank with you. a fair amount of your work and and, yeah, and, your, and your team's work. So, um, so what about in in terms of just again that that the context of your sort of formulation of a, at, a, at an early design uh, career? Um, how much did Baltimore play into that? Oh, I think Baltimore uh, uh, played a lot into it. Um, you know, I I met a lot of a lot of folks here that that influenced me greatly. Uh, chief among them would have been like Paul Sayre, who's a, a designer in New York. Joe Parisi, another uh, local uh, designer and friend, and uh, Joyce. 
I would say that I probably originally moved to Baltimore because it was sort of a friendly neighborhood kind of place. Uh, and so I've, I've been, you know, generally pretty, pretty happy here. It's a slow, it's a slow paced town. Yeah. So I, I feel like you're, you're one of the staples of the creative culture here. Oh, well, Do you guys you. feel like that? Do you guys feel like you have a, a duty to can kind of continue on? Well, I'm happy to, I am happy to be here. I would say I feel a little bit disconnected from the creative culture here. I mean, you know, I kind of come in and I sit in my studio and do work. Um, and then I sort of like walk through a portal and go yeah. someplace in New York and then meet, you know, a right. hundred illustrators right, right, that right, don't know right. who I am. But then you, you drop, know. then you drop badass theater posters on yeah. the town. And you're like, oh, thanks. Mm, whatever. Thanks. I mean, it's kind of, <laughs> I mean, on the one hand, it's, it's sort of, you know, Baltimore's one of those places where you can work creatively in like total right. anonymity, you know? Right. So, and then that's what I, I it's, it's funny because I mean, that's just me being a design nerd, you know, that I, I, I'm aware of the good work being done here. And, and obviously you guys always rise up when that comes oh, thank up. Thank you. You know, if you move to New York city, it's like, you know, they say that, you know, if you're part of the creative community there, you know, everybody within six months, that it's a very small, tight knit, tight knit group. And, you know, no one's like thinking in terms of like, hey, I'm going to move to Baltimore. I'm going to make it big into, in the arts and graphic design, you know? But I feel like there's so, a, there's a, there's a momentum though. Okay. There's things, things coming up. Like, I feel like the city's getting a little bit of, well, I think it, it, interestingly, I mean, I'll, I'll I'll take the other side of it because I wasn't really thinking that an artist from Baltimore was creating covers for the New Yorker or big editorial magazines. You know, I just wasn't, I I Mm -hmm. didn't think about that, which is embarrassing. Um, Uh, But why would you? (laughs) Yeah. But my, but but to to your point, you see any, you know, you've been pretty consistently in wired that to, to Jed's point, he's seen your work and all it takes is just going, well, those people are out of Baltimore. And it's like, what? Like, yeah, I don't, I don't know if, if this place gets as much credit. I think, you know, but part of it is, you know, I think, I think Baltimore is a great town for like an illustrator and artist to live in. But like, you know, I wouldn't think of it in terms of like, well, if you're moving from, if you're moving from Frederick or Walkersville or Hanover, Pennsylvania, you're not necessarily going to move to Baltimore and get a lot more local work, mm-hmm. you know, but right. it's a comfortable place to kind of land and then branch out. Right. I don't know how long I'd have to live before I would think like, wow, Baltimore's really proud of me. And I don't think they think of me, you know, which, which I, that's sort of just the, the way the town is, and you know, like it doesn't it's not seem a, like a goal of yours, which is, is cool. You know, yeah, like I, I don't know if it's trying uh, to be famous. Well, or, you know, yeah, I'm a, I'm, I'm a dad, you know, I, I do my work and I drive home, you know, it's that, yeah. it's that yeah. kind of thing. And, you know, I think part of it is that my, my perception is, is that um, there are certainly cultural pockets in Baltimore that are, that are interested in talking about, you know, graphic design or the arts and things. But, uh, you know, the, the general tone of Baltimore, I think, is just sort of this kind of laid back, you know, we're, we're happy to kind of get by kind of right. neighborhood kind of place. And that's got its own, that's got its own drawbacks and pluses, I right, think, right. you know. In terms um, of, in terms of on the flip side of that, though, I know you are, you guys are rock stars oh, for, for some, for, for like graphic designers. You got, I know we have Mike in our backyard, things like that. How, do you guys experience the fandom a little bit? You know, I think that I would say that in generally, like, I, I feel like if, if I've, if I'm getting, my ego is getting too big, it gets checked. You know, I'm going to go into any classroom and there's going to be a number of kids that don't know who I am. And I kind of feel like, you know, anybody from another part of the country, bigger, much bigger names than me could move here and, and probably get the same reaction. It's just mm-hmm. not a town that's impressed with, 
<laughs> it, it does take a lot. You're right. You know. Yeah. Well, no, no kidding. So, Dave, we and I don't mean that as a I don't mean that as a put down to Baltimore no, either. No, it's kind no, of no, not no. at all. It's like show me what you got. We got one for me lately. What would have happened if we had gotten Amazon? Like they would have been like. Who cares? You know, right, like right. it's sort of. <laughs> Maybe we should look in the mirror, folks. Why we didn't get Amazon? Right. Um, so, Dave, we're, we're this is great because we're going through some of your background, but also uh, meandering into other really good subject matter. But let's get to where did Spur Design come about? How did it, how did it happen? Well, uh, Joyce and I were uh, both freelancing, uh, so we both had sole proprietorships, um, and then we decided that. You know, it would be a good idea to, uh, you know, just merge our, our businesses together. I would say that we probably didn't have much of a business plan other than just to stay busy. And that's that was kind of it. You know, we um, we added a, a bookkeeper fairly early on and she's she's still with us. You know, we started using interns and, uh, you know, we've never been bigger than six, six people. We're currently four, you know, and that's that's generally been a pretty good, pretty good size for yeah. us. That's great. How did, how did the, the, the I guess the hustle in the early stages what was that like in terms of new business? And Well, before we had kids, it was pretty easy. Although I yeah. kind of remember it, you know, I'm, I'm a little nostalgic for it now, but it was a little, it was probably a little frenetic. You know, we would right. work, we'd go out to eat and then we'd come back and we'd work some more, you know. I think I remember, everybody goes through that stage. Right. Bit, I remember ever like, not. This is what you did. This was yeah. my hobby. Not turning off. But I would say that by the time I was in my late 20s, I wasn't like, I would do some all-nighters if I got a really crazy thing. But yeah. generally I was... You know, I wasn't working past like nine or ten o'clock huh. too much. That's hard so, to do these days. It's still pretty late. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in bed by eight thirty. Right. <laughs> um, so in terms of, of clients, Dave, and you've done all kinds of work and I'll just, you know, editorial work. You've worked with music and recording artists, you've worked with brands, and I'm I'm sure I'm skipping about a million types of clients, but how do you or do you handle those different clients very differently, or do you look at a project the same way from beginning to end? Uh, I would say that generally I'm looking at them the same, the same way, you know, I, I would say that you know, different jobs have different parameters. You know, I prefer really when somebody just, you know, I, if I work with like, they might be giants, um, you know, the Flansburg emails means say, Hey, you want to do this thing? Here's what I got. And I'll say, yeah, I'll do that. You know, here's when I need it. I like, I like somebody just saying, Hey, I want to do this. Here's how much money I have, and uh, can you do it in a week or two? It's you know, all it's that Every, kind all of the, right, right. Not the note. I'll know when I see it. Right, and that you know, I prefer that to like you know coming up with like an RFP or a pitch. Yeah, you know. Huh. Do you guys do that though? Do you, are every you now and then, RF, every now and then, I'll do an RFP if I feel like it's a pretty good fit. Mm -hmm. But they're generally not a good fit. There's mm -hmm. always some like, you know, hey, can you do four posters for me and right. tar my roof? You know, like there's always some like weird other thing that they're asking for that just seems sort of strange. Are you guys uh, at any point doing any of the sort of communication strategy? Are you trying, I don't, I don't want to say upsell, but like are, maybe they're coming to you just for a, a tactical execution, but are you guys kind of broadening the scope and going, hey, did you guys think about Not this? Not too much. We're still, we're, we're, I mean... Generally speaking, like what I will do though, if somebody has a project, I'll go in and I'm, I'll review their specs moving forward. But I don't think we've, we haven't been brought in too much for brand strategy. Okay. You know, generally it's, it's project to project. I, I did want to peel off and talk about they might be giants and that might be jumping the gun a little bit, but you said you were listening to those guys. Oh yeah. I've been a fan for a long time. So, so what is that like? You get to do work for your that was pretty, a, it was a pretty favorite exciting. brand? It was pretty exciting. You know, that, that's unbelievable. I mean, if, uh, yeah, I mean, how, did, how could, did that happen? If I could do a poster for Weird Al, I would just lose my, if you could do a poster for Pearl Jam, yeah. you, you would probably yeah, they're, cry yeah. 
tears of joy. I would. I think. I wouldn't be able to do it, I don't think. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think I think in this case it was probably knowing someone. Uh, yeah. You know, my buddy Paul Sayre had been working with them, and I think that, uh, you know, there's generally a lot of work to be work yeah. to be done. And he had mentioned me to them, so. And I had wondered know. about that because, you know, leading up to this and all the research and everything, and, and that was a question I had, like, do you have to be a fan of the band? Or can the band be a fan of you? And you'd be like, well, I never listened to it. They might be giants and glad you like my work. And yeah, you could probably be too big. Of, you, yeah. probably, you could probably be too big a fan. Yeah. You know, that's, I mean, well, that's the case, you know? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, it looked, luckily it worked out. That's, that was, that's, that's interesting. Not a lot of people get to experience that. So that, that's gotta be one of those. It was very projects. nice. I mean, a little, uh, you know, a little, a little nerve, nerve clenching. Are you beginning. interacting but, with the band? Yeah. I, I talked with, uh, with, uh, John Flansburg okay. quite a bit on projects that's and, you cool. know, super nice, super nice guys down to earth, you know? I mean, I kind of feel like, you know, if there's a, if there's a jerk in the process, it's probably me. <laughs> you know? It's a great band name too, I think. Yeah. Oh yeah. Cool. These guys are legends. Yeah. No question. Right. And you know, again, they're, uh, they're hardworking. They're still prolific, still right? out there, yeah. you know, probably making a song a day and then constantly touring. And that, and that, um, that was, I want to point out, like, was that collaborative? That was collaborative with Joyce. Uh, and you guys both worked on that? Uh, the, this microphone video. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Got it. And then a lot of the animation, uh, was that a new thing for you? That was, that's was. And also we, we also worked together on the, um, I'm alone okay. video as well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, again, those were one of those things where, uh, Flansburg, uh, for the, the, I am alone is the, uh, the first video we did, um, where we directed it ourselves. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he just wanted to do a stop motion and, uh, we hadn't done a stop motion before. So I think like that day I went out and bought a copy stand and I said, yeah, we'll figure it. We'll figure, figure it, it out. out. So did you, were you, you said that to him? You know, we, yeah. We've yeah, never so done that. I told okay. him we've, we'd, we'd yeah, never done it. Totally we'll, experimental. We'll figure it out. You know? <laughs> so I feel like that's, uh, something that we've noticed with other people we've talked to that there's this, I don't want to call it entrepreneurial spirit all the time because I don't think it's exactly that, but it's like a, a willingness to, to try something new. It seems like the successful people have that trait. I mean, are you guys ever in a, in a situation where you're saying we can't do that? Hmm. I don't think it's ever, I don't think it's ever come up, you know? I mean, I mean, the other thing too, like, you know, he wasn't hiring us to do a, you know, Nightmare Before Christmas. He was hiring us to do right, a, right, a, right, right. the video where he, he's fine with the wires and the tape showing. Right, you right. Know? Yeah. That seems like their personality though. Yeah. It's a lot I think really, that's why, really probably why we're a good fit, you right, know? Right, right. I mean, I have, I have delivered jobs to people where they've got, I think this is wrong, you know, where... <laughs> This is, this shouldn't be cutting off here. Like, no, that's, that's all, it's all part of the plan. The, the printer didn't make a mistake. That's all the way it's supposed to look. Have you seen our work? <laughs> <laughs> Dave, um, so again, you know, having worked with so many different types of clients, just talk about some of your, your most memorable jobs. It could be memorable because it was so awesome and fun or so horrifying and terrible. Well, let's see. Well, I'm going to, recently I would say that the New Yorker has probably been like the most exciting project uh, where, um, I just kind of felt like I, I did like a little scribble one afternoon and then like, it just sort of blew up. Um, that was pretty, that was pretty exciting. Can you talk uh, about that, that work a little bit more? Um, well, I mean, again, this was after the events of Charlottesville, president Trump, like walked back his, his comments about hate groups. And, uh, so I, I just did like a, a very like quick little doodle, um, and sent that off to, uh, the New Yorker. Um, prior to that, I had, um, found out like, Hey, here's who you, here's who you talk to there to, to, submit cover ideas. And, uh, they got back to me pretty immediately to develop that as a, as a cover. 
Was that your first New Yorker? It was. Wow. I hadn't, I had worked for the interior yeah, of the magazine, okay. but I hadn't so, done anything on the cover. Got it. Was any of that taking a chance? Like, did you feel like any of that was out of your wheelhouse and you didn't, that's a good maybe, question. Maybe yeah. didn't have the right it, to, it, to speak up at that point or? Um, I felt like I had the right to, to speak up in regards to it visually. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to speak too much further about it after the picture because I feel like the picture kind of conveys the sentiment. Mm-hmm. At the time, you know, it was it was out my wheelhouse because even though I think it, there's still like an element of dark humor about it, it looks, it's very much like the way I was trained to visually communicate where I'm taking an object and transforming it. It's all the things I want a picture to be in regards to everybody understanding all the components and how they relate to each other where it's um, outside my wheelhouse a little bit is that it's, it's, um, you know, it's, it's definitely uh, pointing a, 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 a mean finger at the president of the United it's, States. It's which pretty is, clear where you stand. Right. You right. Know? So there's not a lot of guesswork right. involved there. I mean, what? I've clarified that it's really, you know, it shouldn't be made larger, although, you know, he, he constantly makes it a larger thing. He but does. the actual comment of the illustration <laughs> yeah. is of that moment. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what you, you, you said enough, but then there's that element of interpretation. Right. And like we were talking about before, like you're going to bring your own sort of experiences and translate in your brain. Right. Your, for your own meaning. Like you can be as literal as possible, but then people are still going to feel Right. Well, and you know, it, political art too. It's just, yeah. it has a different, it has a different edge than if you're like, you know, illustrating somebody's, you know, article about pediatrics, you know, this is yeah. a thing where you can be, you can be proven right as time yeah. goes on, or you can be proven wrong. Was there any trepidation um, in terms of, if I put this out there, I'm, I, I'm raising my hand and kind of calling attention. Oh, sure. I got some yeah. nasty, nasty messages left on my answering machine, oh, yeah? you know, so, yeah. um, but I felt confident that it was, that it was right, that it was, a, that it was appropriate. It's kind of, even though it's a metaphor, it's kind of a literal metaphor. It's so damn on the nose like that. And that doesn't, you know, based on your body of work, that's not your style. So the the way you, where you handled it was really, really cool. I think, um, are you, do you anticipate doing more? Uh, Uh, I did one other cover for them and I I send things off, but you know, I I haven't, uh, I haven't politically speaking politically. Yeah, Yeah. I've done, you know, if I, if I feel it, um, you know, I haven't, uh, um, gotten the, the covers published, uh, you know, it hasn't given me any, I don't think it's given me any special, uh, uh, status at the New Yorker, you know, it's Uh like, it still has to, any idea I sense still has to kind of stand or on its own. Does that, uh, well, I'll just cut to the chase because I've been reading the New Yorker for a long time and there are definitely artists who have gotten multiple covers and you can see a uh, similar aesthetic between a cover this year and a cover next year. Is there any favoritism in that type of industry? I'm not saying specifically. I don't know if I'd call it favoritism. I would say that there, there are a handful of artists that know how to hit that mark reliably, you know? Um, and I think, you know, there's also... There's, there's artists with, um, I wouldn't say that I'm in this group. You know, I think that if, if my work shows up on a cover, it kind of stands out as something distinct mm. and there's other artists that are there and the work is solid, but it also looks like a New Yorker cover. Right. Right. You know, and it- I think that's, that's valuable. Like, you know, if you're an editor an art director looking at that, you know, I guess it gets back to like being too weird. Like it still has to like, it, it can't look like it was beamed down from another planet and, right. and landed on the New Yorker cover. Right. Right. There's a lot of cachet in, in getting the cover for the New Yorker. Is that a broader goal now to kind of like? I'd like to keep it. I'd like to keep it going. Keep getting on. Yeah. 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 One. Nah, it did come. I'm out. Got one. Good enough. <laughs> Good We're enough. We're done. <laughs> um, I think on the other side of the spectrum, 
and I guess this could be sensitive because you don't always want to talk about bad projects and name names, but I'm interested to hear what some really challenging projects might be so that our, our audience can understand what, what it's like to not have the greatest of experiences. Have you ever fired a client? Ever fired a client? I have That's like a dream. I have <laughs> never, when I've gotten angry on the phone, I've always regretted it afterwards. Yeah. It's always, you know, I'm, and I'm, I'm racking my brain. I know I've worked with some terrible people over the years, but generally speaking, if I get to that point, I, I'm always thinking like I could have handled that better. You know, Sean and I have had a lot of conversations with each other after certain things have happened at work and we're talking each other down from how, how we could have been nicer about things. So yeah, I, I really, it's just, it's called emotional intelligence. Right. I had to take a course on it. <laughs> yeah. I think I, I mean, I generally, if I, I think I was a lot more high strung in my twenties that I don't know if I, I, I think I'm better at picking my battles now. Yes. Well, that's cool. I mean, um, so it, fast forward to, you know, we've been pretty much in modern day, but like, what's really inspiring you? Like what's, if you're setting goals for, you know, this coming year, you know, is there something on your list that's like a stretch goal for you guys? Um, I'd like to get more self-directed projects published. I love, you know, the projects I get, I, you know, I love, I love doing editorial. I like doing posters and things, you know, um, as a matter of keeping relevant, you know, probably do more animation projects. There's much more opportunity to get visual art out there simply via screens. Right. Which definitely people used to be like, that's not real. But now I don't think people think about that at all. What, what, what's, what's your take? Well, I still think about that. Cause I, you know, I, if I come back from a press check or from getting something printed or something, I, I, you know, I'm driving, I'm a distracted driver cause I'm looking at that press sheet. Right. And, uh, you know, a print designer was something, was what I wanted to be. You know, there's something, and you know, it, it's unfortunately, you know, it's, I'm not going to say unfortunate, it's just though it's the way of the world. You know, it's like, there are certain things like, why would you print it when it, when yeah. it shows up on a screen that much easier, you know, it's right. like, we're at a point um, where, a lot of coworkers have never experienced a press check or right. wouldn't know what to do on a press check or know that, <laughs> know that you need to color separate things. Well, into, and that, uh, knowledge, color. that knowledge, or that there's different be, types of paper. Right. Right. <laughs> well, they, they've never had, I mean, that, and I, that, that part is fun. The, the actual, the, the tactile. I'm nature. surprised how many of them have never put wax in a waxer. I don't know if I've ever put wax in a waxer, so I got to raise my hand Should on that one. Hand. But, uh, <laughs> Your first job when you were a graphic designer, you'd have to come in and you'd have to like put wax in the waxer so that you'd be able to run your galleys wow. through, you know, the that's, tactile, dating, that's dating myself. Really. But the tactile, tactile aspect of just, I'll just say print is like amazing. And when everybody hears this episode, they'll be able to see some of the content that we, we also shoot because your you know, your office is unbelievable and I just want to like touch everything. Um, so that is a real miss for, or it's, it's sad a little bit that I feel like uh, newer generations aren't experiencing that. In the Although that newer generation has an opportunity yeah. that, you know, I, I, I kind of feel like, you know, when I, when I complain about the loss of print, I, I'm, I'm sort of like, I sound like a woodcut artist that's lamenting the loss of release, <laughs> relief printing right. when, you know, get off my printing it press. used to be a lot, it used to be more segmented where, you know, you had, you had TV and you had your TV people and you had your print and your print people. And there might've been some overlap, but everybody was pretty, you know, everybody knew where their right. what lines were drawn. I would say now, if you're a creative person, there's opportunities, but I would say for anybody that's been at this for 20 or 30 years, whether you're in TV or music or print, 
advertising that the ground is shifting under everybody's feet. Yeah, absolutely. I, I wonder since we've, we've met a couple of different craft industry type folks that if we aren't due for like a print craft print resurgence, you know, much like we, brewing and distilling and I think like we've that. probably still have had that. Yeah. You know, the question would be like, you know, if you're doing, you know, if you're doing posters where you're printing a hundred posters for someone, you know, you have to, you have to, you have to produce a lot of work, mm-hmm. you know, getting the, um, making, making that work financially viable is, right. is a, is a tough road to hoe. And so you know, then, it could be satis- creatively satisfying work. Right. And then some people are still buying art. So is that when you're saying you're shifting to more self-directed projects, does that mean leaning into maybe more, um, you know, selling more prints and, and just kind of going at it? For you know, more of uh, people to have as a memento to hang in their house. Right, it means doing more of all of that. Yeah. You know, um, and I would say that it, don't think of it in, in the course of it being like a, a directional change. It's one more thing that I that mm. I one want more that I do. Does any of that involve like books, like the Poe book and the and the Mary Shelley's Frankenstein? And, Not you know, so much that those that. contracts pretty much okay. allow. I mean, that, that of course I I like doing that work. But yeah. if, were you asking in regards to whether that there's print aspects? Well, I guess maybe or, more like bolting on author will you be writing and, and designing like oh i would say i would books. like to do more of that i would like yeah. to i like yeah. illustrating things like classics uh, but again i would like to write write more of my own material as well yeah the heroical stuff is that inception point for some of that yes yes okay. and again that's probably like that's that's a weird niche <laughs> have you already, uh, and I'm not going to ask you to give away secrets, but have you created, for example, characters and things like that, that you feel like maybe you've, you could start a, a plot line or storyline about? I have. Okay. I have. Um, I feel like I've, I've got, uh, I mean, I've got like an entire universe. I just haven't packaged it in a way that I think that broad public likes it. Right. Pat Oswalt's a fan though. That guy's yeah. awesome. Yes. How, how did that come about? Um, I sent him books. Oh yeah, I sent him books, and then I ended up doing a poster uh, for his uh, wife's birthday. He's a super. Oh, wow, he's a yeah. super nerd. Yes, he's yeah. a very, very yeah. intriguing uh, individual. He's Hello. super smart and also yeah. hilarious, which is, I think, pretty compelling. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it's funny because I, I, I strictly follow him because he gets early access to all, all the movies that I'm interested. In. He's usually at the premieres, and he's right. first to give you a sort of rundown. Also, a, a nice fellow. Yeah, yeah. So it's you, good to hear. You've yeah. met him. Yes. Yeah. Well, not not face to face. We've only oh. emailed back and forth. Oh, great. That's awesome. See, you're a rock star, man. Oh, come on. Introduce us. I mean, cut that. Does he do podcasts? (laughs) So just jumping real quick. We talked about it early on, but so the nineties are back. Yes. What do you think about that? Well, nobody's called me about it. So they're missing out. You know, I mean, I, I would say that probably in the nineties, I was doing a lot of that, that kind of work that was sort of derivative of Carson. Mm -hmm. And, you know, once you do it, you kind of feel like you, you realize that it's sort of a field yeah. That, that that person's playing in that it's probably best to leave it to them, you know? Well, it it's, feels like more than homage at that point. Right. Yeah. Right. I struggle with the typography a little bit yeah. like right, right now. And, and, and I think it's, everybody's run to this corner. The brands are blending together. And if you're a lifestyle brand, you must have the headline repeated five times. And at least three of those five should be outlined in, you know, stroke form. Oh, I've something. never outlined type. It's never, it's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. So I just curious because, as you were coming up, you know, at that time, like, you know, how, how you specifically felt like were you, were you getting, Oh, David Carson's work is exciting. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's still at it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's one of those things where, you know, like, like all things, you know, it's his way of working. And then, you know, if you got a bunch of folks, it's fine if somebody can pick it up and do something different with it, that's their own thing. But, you know, 
yeah, you know, a lot of times it was just somebody sort of imitating what he was what right. he was doing. Right. That's always sort of the that's always kind of the trick of graphic design. It's hard to be dis- I mean, you know, it's hard to be distinctive, I think as a graphic designer. My own type sense has gotten a lot I would say a lot more conservative as I've gotten older. Right. Um and I, you know, I I tend to to trust the visual more use type as more of something where I set it up as a system. Now, you know, I'm sure you people send you portfolios like young designers and things like that. I would think just kind of either getting your input on it or maybe even trying to see if they can come work out here at, yeah. at, at Spur. Are you seeing commonalities among all that work? I mean, you know, a lot of times I'll see work where it looks like really great student work, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. I wouldn't hold it against a student if they could do a really good David Carson impression, mm-hmm. you know. It's like I probably would still look pretty good. As a, as a, as a bonus <laughs> tip for all the young designers listening, what, what what's the thing that probably they could do to their books? And it's a little bit of a tangent, but I think it's important. What What's one thing you're looking for in, in, in just a spur design? I like to see thinking. Yeah. You know, um, I like to see thinking. I like to see, um, I like seeing drawing. I like seeing good drawing in a portfolio. Um, when you say thinking, what, what do you mean? I think I, li- I want to see ideas in the work. You know, I don't, I don't want to just see like, you know, a nicely done surface. You know, these days, if you're a student getting out of school, there's, there's no reason for you not to be aware of, of how things should look. When you graduated in the 70s or the 80s, there was probably a little more forgiveness in regards to things being a little clumsier, mm-hmm. clumsier looking. But, uh, you know, now that you can set your own type, you should be able to, like, be very critical of the, of the work you're producing yourself. Are you, are you taking any meetings with folks you actually really become fans of or feel like has have a strong, you know, potential? Um, generally speaking, like, you know, if I'm looking for somebody, like yeah. I'll, I'll call a, I'll call a teacher I know and, and say, Hey, oh, do you have it. anybody who's, you know, I mean, you walk over to the next oh, desk. Yeah. And, like, yeah. and then, you know, <laughs> usually it's not right. more than, Hey, they're a, they're a good student. If you're a good student and you're diligent, you're polite, you're probably a pretty good graphic designer. Huh. That's all it takes. Politeness. Well, there Politeness. you go. Politeness. Wow, that's I, a trait that... Uh, again, back to Maybe the, not too polite. Yes. <laughs> maybe not too polite. Have a backbone, damn it. interesting. Dave, I think, you know, what you're looking for in uh, potential uh, people to work with is an interesting segue into your own creative process, so, or even your workflow. Is there something that you find, a formula that works for you? Do you approach things sort of the same way each time you get a, a job? Not the same time. Uh, you know, I, I, I will say that a lot of times the... Um, if I'm working on an editorial, certainly this is true of an editorial, um, but if I'm getting a poster job or a book job, that the that the the work the, the visuals are really pushed by the text. Generally, you know, we we write copy here occasionally, but generally we're we're handed copy, and if it's well written, it 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 makes the job so much so much easier. All right. An assignment comes in. Are you getting like a brief or like a some sort of creative brief? You know, usually there's like a bullet points of yeah. like five or six things. Yeah. Hey, we looked at yeah. your portfolio. We like this kind of thing. Yeah. You know, some things are driven by deadline and budget. Yeah. Um, and then, and then is that a sketch process then? Are you, you getting the paper and the pencil? I do like, rough sketch. You know, if you're, yeah. if you're an art director, I'll, I'll get by with like rough pencil sketches. If it's a yeah. actual, you know, graphic design client, then I'll, I'll show you something a little tighter and, and with color and the copy dropped in. And, you know, a lot of times before I start a graphic design project, I think, is this like, more type based or is it more image based? If it's more image based, then you got a big image and little type. If it's more type based, then you got a little image, big type. Yeah. Um, and I, I would say that's something that I've probably looked at that I've noticed from looking at other graphic designers, other graphic designers work. And I find that that's a pragmatic decision to mm-hmm. sort of make at the beginning. And at this point I would think that 
you know yourself well enough to know what you do well. Is there a want to always kind of push and try something new or experimental? Or is it like, I know what they're looking for. I've been at this long enough and I can dial this oh, in. Oh, I never know what they're looking for. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, that that's where, you know, editorial, you know, I can say, hey, you know, if I get a job that's sort of similar to other content that I've done and, you know, they'll say, hey, we like this and this, like that's, that's much more straightforward. But a graphic design project, um, I would say there's a lot more, it's a lot more open-ended. You're working with people that may or, you know, that may or may not be that visually oriented. You know, they're, they're thinking, they know their, they know their mm-hmm. business or they know what they're trying to communicate, right. but they don't necessarily, they, that's why they're, that's why they're coming to a graphic designer. And it's a lot more, it's a lot more wide in regards to like finding where, where that image should hit. Are um, you, are you guys in terms of projects, are you also taking one like larger, like environmental, like wayfinding types of graphic design or is it mostly the poster and the illustration and generally right now we've been doing, I mean the last year or two has been mainly like posters, covers, videos, that kind of thing. All right. Um, you know, for a while there, yeah, we were, there was more like larger environmental projects going on. Cool. I wanted to, we were talking about this morning. It's a little bit of a, of a end around here, but um, what about your work? Cause your work is so distinctive and, and there's a lot of forms and like body forms and things like that. There's like this new craze of novelty toys like Funko and everything. Is there any want to take any of your work to a physical product level? Oh yeah. I would love, I would love to, you know, we looked at the you little know. pipe man out there. I know that was <laughs> not, but, but that type of thing is, has anybody approached you to kind of, Cause all these like, I mean, you got the Avenue right up the road. I'm they sure haven't, they haven't, they haven't approached me. Yeah. I so. think, I think stuff would, would translate really cool. I, I did too. And I mean, I noticed above your desk, figures. you've got a bunch of uh, cool action figures and stuff. And I was like, well, I know I've seen within your art and you did just mention you've been developing characters. It seems like something that would be amazing. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, um, I've toyed around a little things with like trying to like come up with like different ways to sort of, uh, you know, come up with action figures, um, you know, but I, I would say that if I were going to do it, I'd want to be more like in the sort of the Gary Panter realm where you're sort of like influenced by this, uh, uh, you know, wacky paper mache huh. kind of vibe. Yeah. That's, so, a, that's, that's 2019. We're going to tackle that. Yes. <laughs> Seems like a good idea to me. I kind of feel like the, the toys are probably something that, that probably like grows out of like other success. I would say I, that you probably don't, do you start with toys or you like, you get the, people have to get hooked on the story and the pictures. You start with limited edition toys well, and you make two yeah. of them and yeah. then you sell out Proto- and then you say they're not around anymore. Yeah. Prototyping. You, know, you, you missed out. <laughs> I feel like in this day and age, prototyping is, is a lot quicker turn. Yeah. You can get bobbleheads of yourself in like three weeks. That's true. A 3d scan. Yeah. So I'm thinking about Dave. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking paper mache in a bucket. That sounds kind of cool too. <laughs> That's packaging. <laughs> So Dave, this is the part of the program where uh, we get to the heart of why our podcast exists, which is creative how. So we want you to um, enable, empower people to, when they turn off this podcast, to become or start down the road of becoming an illustrator. So what are the three to four sort of biggest tips that uh, you could possibly give somebody? Okay, the biggest tips. Biggest um, tips. The I, best, the brightest. Game-changing tips, Dave. Um, I think if you're uh, uh, coming into this uh, profession new, I think you want to think like a baker. Um, you want to be ready to make donuts every day, every week, every month, every year for a long time. Um, I think you want to be interested in making pictures, period. 
not so much interested in the specific pictures that you want to make, but thinking in terms that you're interested in whoever, whatever client's going to call you to figure out a way that you're going to communicate to their audience. And I also think you want to, uh, you want to treat artists and your clients the way you want to be treated. What about medium? Medium, less important, whatever, however you can, however you can get it across this. I think this works for illustrators, graphic designers, and photographers. And then in terms of just getting your voice out there. And well, and also a corollary to a corollary to just being interested in making pictures period is I think you also want to develop something that's just yours yourself. Your keep own. your own, keep your own thing going. Your own aesthetic. Yes. That's, visual, visual R and D. Yeah. No, that, I think that's really important. Like our earlier conversation, like bring something new to the table. It's okay to, to kind of be inspired by a certain person. You just don't want to rip them off. Right. Yes. Um, in terms of just self promotion, what, what tactics do you think a young designer, a young illustrator would, would, well, want you to gotta take? try, you gotta try everything. I still think the thing that probably works the best is meeting people. Yeah. Meeting people is always kind of hard to do, you know. I mean, they'll say like, you know, if you want to hang work in a gallery, you got to go become friends with the gallery owner, which is not something everybody can do. You know, I think you got to put work on a postcard and you got to mail it. I think you got to be on social media and you've got to send work out. So that that, that you got to think about that part and portioning off time to dedicate to that. And so then there's the drawing, but then there's the self promotion. Right. How how receptive are you to young designers re- reaching out to meet you? Well, you know, if they, I'm, I, I'd like to think I'm polite yeah. when they put their hand out, mm-hmm. you know. Is there anyone you've met with over the course of your career that then you're, you sit back now and go like, I knew that Oh, there's when. a lot, lot of people. A lot that of are people. just killing it now? Yeah, yeah. That's cool. You get a lot of um, sort of pride in that, that, that you kind of helped influence them in some way? Hopefully I'm probably just like one part of a complete breakfast. And then if somebody was influenced by my work, that they probably have other, other things that they've lined up that are going for them. Hopefully I'm thinking like, hopefully I didn't get anybody off the tracks. You keep saying things that make me hungry. I was just going to say, I don't think Dave ate breakfast himself today. I know. I mean like your baker. This is a very value. I got, I have a valuable trick. I buy generic cereal and that's what I have. And my kids don't like it. If you buy popular cereal, Ah, this is for all the dads out there. If you buy cereal, that's too good. Your kids will eat it. You'll never get, you'll never get cereal. That's a really great. If you can muscle down generic frosted mini wheats, I can do it. (laughs) Um, Dave, there's one, I want to sort of force a uh, creative how in here. And you talked about, I think I can gather that throughout your education and your career, you were getting feedback along the way that was probably generally positive and you probably maybe knew that you had a talent, but a lot of the people that we work with, you know, you face those sort of moments that you don't have confidence. Um, if you've faced any of those, how, how do you, how do you handle that as a, as an illustrator? Oh, I would say that, uh, I handle it better by just forgetting about the doubt just putting your head down and just work through it. Um, I, when you bring that up when I, you know, yes, I did get a lot of positive reinforcement when I was a student and, you know, I look back on that work and it's like, Oh, you know, boy, they, they must've saw something or, you know, they just don't want to discourage somebody's young who's trying hard. And I think that's kind of a, that's kind of a key thing. You know, if I, if I, if I see a student who's talented but not really working that hard, their, their talent will eventually fail them if they're not going to apply themselves. If I see a student that's trying really hard, work might be a little bit shaky. I'd like to think that eventually they're going to figure it out. What about, um, just flash forward now real quick, criticism and collaboration and uh, how do you deal with that? Where, where's your, where, what is the trusted source of criticism for you? It would just be here at Spur. Okay. I don't, you know, I'm not doing too much stuff in like sending it out and having somebody 
right. say anything about it. But, you know, Joyce and I look at things over each other's shoulder. Yeah. You guys actively ever disagree? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Not yeah. too, not too much <laughs> about things visual. <laughs> That's probably a good thing. <laughs> well, Dave, dude, this has been awesome. This is going to be super helpful for a lot of people. Um, and we're anxious to see, you know, your coming year and, and the projects you guys start getting into. Like I said, we, we feel honored that you took the time to, to talk to us. We, we think you're a superstar here. Um, and we're glad to have you in Baltimore and, and just on a national level, we enjoy your work. Uh, we, we want to give you the opportunity to kind of promote you and spur. Um, so if you want to kind of run down the, the website addresses and the social handles, um, Let's get that out there for people. Well, thanks, Sean. Thanks, Jed. Um, if anybody would like to uh, look at our work, you can find us on spurdesign.com. That's S-P-U-R-D-E-S-I-G-N.com. Or if you'd like to look at my illustration work, you can find that at davidplunkert.com. And, uh, and Dave, real, real quick, uh, you have a book also, right? People can kind of look that up. Yes, uh, Frankenstein, the 200th anniversary edition. All right, and I assume at Amazon and... Also, they can get that from the publisher, Rockport. All right. And then uh, any Instagram or Twitter or anything you guys hanging out on there at I all? I am on the Twitters. The Twitters. I'm on Twitterverse. The, I'm on Twitter. Do you call it Twitters or Twitter? It's a Twitter. It's just Twitter. Both. Yeah. It's whatever okay. you want to call it. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Plunkert, I believe. All right. Damn. Yeah. Dude. Aggressive. You're damn right it's at Plunkert. Thanks, Dave. Thank you. That was great. Um, Dave taught us a lot about not falling into the trend chasing trap as a designer. We said it before. Dave's work is timeless. It has charm and it has wit and something you can always keep coming back to as just high quality visual communication. So everybody, please check out the show notes at creativehowpodcast.com. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at creativehowpod. Please do not be shy about hitting the like button. Please do not be shy about subscribing. That's what we're all about. We want to give you what you need. Drop us a review if you want to, too. Hey, Jed. Did you hear our kick-ass intro music? Shockingly, that's out of our technical wheelhouse here at Creative How. That type of sick sound design is a White Noise Lab original. White Noise Lab is a music composition and sound design studio that works with agencies, production companies, and brands on projects for film, broadcasts, interactive websites, corporate videos, video games, and experimental projects. The chances that that movie trailer you just saw on you know, YouTube, that's probably a White Noise Lab original more often than not. So whether you're looking to fulfill your sound design needs or simply need someone to collaborate with on an experimental project or maybe an experimental podcast, check out whitenoiselab.com. That's whitenoiselab.com dot com.